Welcome to the 99 Celsius Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Quay. Thanks for tuning in. This week's episode features Kweku Ajemai, co-founder of sustainable fashion brand, Brown Mill. Kweku demonstrates an impressive level of focus and maturity that is far beyond his years. He was born in Newark and raised in Piscataway, New Jersey, which also happens to be the home of his alma mater, Rutgers University. His storytelling abilities equip him for selling just about anything he decides to. This is A Hustler's Spirit. I got a hustler spirit, period. Across corners and corner offices all around the world, one thing is to be respected. The heart of a hustler. A characteristic a select few are born with. The kind of spirit that has no limit on what one can sell. French fries, cookies, or clothing. Closing no doors of opportunity, Kwaku enters every room prepared to make a sale. In fact, he set sail on entrepreneurial journeys in church at the tender age of eight. A dichotomy for the dreamer, whose demeanor of hustling was in some ways confined by the politics of the institution. But the hustler never dies, multiplying by evolution. From french fries to fly fits, the hustler's spirit. Welcome to episode eight. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Appreciate you coming through, man. Of course. Yeah. I see you got the uh, the fresh brown mill up on, uh, you got the hoodie and the hat. Yeah, man. I'm sitting cozy right now. Got the hat, <laughs> the hoodie, the sweatpants, the socks, brown mill down. Yes, sir. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Anytime uh, I record, I always like to give context behind my guests and how I came into interaction with them mm-hmm. and such. So um, I don't know if you remember this, but um, aside from seeing you on campus and, you know, through uh, Qua, which is your big bro, we had a, a personal interaction. Um, I think that was back in, ooh, that must have been like 2017, I think, Howard Homecoming. Oh, yeah, that? yeah. I yeah. Do. So, Good times. yeah. So, um, Quaku hit me up like two days before uh, or three days before homecoming yeah. or something. And he was like, yo, man, we're pulling up to Howard Homecoming with the brand Brown Mill. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm gonna we're gonna do a little pop up shop at homecoming. So, you know, we need a place to, to kind of lay our head and get situated and such. Yeah. And I remember you pulled up. I think it was supposed to be Friday night. You may have pulled up. Was it Friday night or Saturday pulled up morning? In the morning Saturday. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it was supposed to be Friday night, but yeah. you came uh, Saturday. Uh huh. And so Saturday you pulled up. We came back to the crib. We opened it up or whatever, and you you came in, set up shop, kind of got all the clothing together and all that. Um, you actually blessed me with a red hat that yeah. day. That was fire. Yeah. And um, and then you went out to homecoming. And a lot of people, when they come to town for Howard Homecoming, especially, uh, you know, young men at your age at that point, come to turn up and party. And I knew something was special when I saw that you were coming out of town to create and be entrepreneurial. Right, right. You know, and seeing that opportunity in that space to be entrepreneurial and, and um, be able to help see your dreams come true. So... That for me was already like a powerful introduction. When yeah. I saw that, I was like, man, like this dude is about his business. Um, and I've always felt that way as, as I've seen you guys continue to navigate throughout. Um, you know, it's just really impressive. And I feel like y'all are far beyond your years and in, in, in the way you're navigating and your experience as such. Appreciate that. Yeah, that Howard Homecoming was a very crazy day. I didn't sleep at all that whole day. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Great times, though. Right up. Yeah. <clears throat> Cool, man. So uh, I want to jump right in and um, and give some context to, you know, you and, and things you're doing and um, just your trajectory and such. So you uh, have you run a company called Brown Mill, which is sustainable fashion. Right. And you've been doing this for at least 10 years now, I believe. Um before we, we jump into like the success of the brand and the things that you've been working on recently, I want to jump back all the way, even prior to Brown Mill, when you think about 99 Celsius and the progression of how things work and grow over time. I always like to start at zero degrees Celsius, mm. right? So that's before you even have the realization that, you know, you're starting something, Right. When you just look at a foundational, from a foundational standpoint, what things were you interested in way back when, when you were just a youngin and figuring life out? Um, I'll say for me, I grew up in like a very, very strict household. My parents are from Ghana, West Africa. They're also very religious. They're seven-day events. So growing up, I was always trying to find ways to bend the rules, like try to do different things. So I always remember just at our church, we couldn't buy food from outside during the Sabbath day. Like mm. it was forbidden to buy food from outside. And me and my friend, we used to go to the corner store, buy French fries and then sell French fries to the other kids. Wow. Yeah. Just because we're like, nah, <laughs> just being troublesome. Yeah. And it just became like a little business. The kids would put in their order with us like during church, the pastor would be preaching. They would pass his little notes like, hey, Quaker, I want French fries and hot wings. I want buffalo wings. Are these kids in church with they're you? They're in church with So us. they're breaking the rules too. They're breaking the rules. They're right. just too scared to go to the store. Right. But I didn't care. So I you were to, selling, but you weren't buying. So you weren't really breaking the rules, but you were- I wasn't, see, I would tell my parents like, I didn't buy it with my money. Mm. And that's how it kind of started. You know, <laughs> just, just looking at ways to make money if I get in trouble. Like, it's not really me. It's dumb. I'm just being- I'd rather it be me go out there in the streets than this little girl go out there. Wow. So we used to do stuff like that, you know, 
go out there trying to make a dollar, bring it back to the church, sneak it in, and all the kids would come and just eat the French fries. And they'd be like, <laughs> yeah, we got that. But yeah, just from a young age, just trying to break rules, not trying to be like a bad kid, but every time I heard about like strict laws or strict rules, it made me uncomfortable. And I just think of ways to like go around them. Hmm. Yeah. So how old were you when when you were running that that French fry like, scheme? This is like eight and nine. <laughs> but we we eventually got caught. Hmm. So we got caught by the pastor's daughter. Okay. How'd that happen? So we didn't really mess with the pastor's daughter. You know, she <laughs> she was like a snitch. She was always telling us. So one day she was like, "Yo, I'm hungry. Can you get us some food?" And we we're like, "Nah, we're not getting you food." So she kind of set us up. So. When the pastor would preach, you know, we'll stand up, say we got to use the bathroom. My one boy would be the lookout, and I'll run to the store, pay the bodega man. He already knew what it was about. As soon as he saw me running with my church shoes, tap, 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 tap. <laughs> he already had the french fries going. I'll pay him real quick. He will give me a bag. I'll put in my suit because my clothes are always big because, you know, African parents, oh, you'll grow into it. You'll grow right, into it. Right. So my suit would be big, come back. This time, she had one of the church elders be outside. And my boy was trying to be a luck guy. He's like, nah, go inside. So when I came back, I came to the church elder and he's like, it's a wrap. It's done. They brought us in front of the church and they told the whole church about what we were doing. Oh. And she was laughing the whole time. Like, wow. Just laughing. And, you know, that looks bad. You know, it's like a, a village ways the kids. So all the, all the adults were mad at us, you know, giving us a lot of slack. But at that moment, I was like, dang, I shouldn't have been smarter about that. Mm. Yeah. I didn't feel like I got in trouble. I just felt like it was on me. I should have finessed a little better. Right. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is like a young Quaker who figuring out like yeah. how to navigate business definitely, politics definitely. and all that. Man, so that was eight years old, you said, right? Yeah, I was eight, eight or years nine. Old. But nah, just uh, just going back to the church thing, you know, we were really big on that church culture of dressing up and looking fancy, looking good in church. Oh, don't wear that to church. Don't wear it. This is not ironed correctly. Don't wear these pants. They don't look good for church. You can't wear jeans. You can't wear t-shirts. So mm-hmm. that whole church culture got me into fashion at the early age. All right, what am I wearing this Saturday? And we will plan this out before Saturday even hit because Sabbath is Friday night to Saturday night. So you can't even iron your clothes on Friday night. Mm-hmm. You got to iron it beforehand. Okay. So this outfit needs to be picked out midweek. So you're Monday. You're thinking about, hmm, what am I going to hit the kids with? I'm going to do the loafers, the black pants, or the blue pants. And it was constantly in my head because you didn't want Friday night to come along and you're ironing clothes and my dad is yelling at me. So, wow. yeah. So you realized your introduction to fashion is is at early. It's eight, nine years old? Yeah. Okay. So you start to realize that you have an interest in this thing. And it. I think initially it sounds like it was more of just self-expression, right? Like kind of you finding your voice as far as what you're wearing and communicating to the world and to yourself, right? As this is the fit and how it represents how I feel. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So what happens from that point now that you've identified that fashion is something that you enjoy in expressing what, what happens next? So now is I like clothes. I need money to buy the clothes. Mm, at eight years old. At eight years old. Wow. I need the money to buy the clothes. And at the time, see, I have two older bros. So at the time, the hand-me-down culture was very big. Mm-hmm. And we were a perfect age to hand clothes down. My older bro, Kwa, is seven years older. I have a bro named Joe who's four years older. So when things 
would get too small on them, they would hand it down to me. Right. And I was always getting like their old clothes. And the thing about fashion is trends. Trends go fast. Mm-hmm. So the things they were wearing that was cool, by the time it got to me, it was lame. <laughs> right. And I can't tell my parents, like, Mom, I can't I can't wear these. Like, Quad came from the era where they wear really baggy T-shirts. Yeah. Like 2XL. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, you know, things were slimming down. So I'll get his T-shirts and he'll be swimming on me. Like, Mom, I can't wear this. <laughs> when it was time for back to school shopping, they would give me like $50 or tell wow. me they were Kohl's. Wow. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to get fly. So at that time I was like, I need to find a way to make some money. Mm-hmm. I need to find some way to make some money. So at that time my mind just started working. Like, how can I at nine, ten years old make some money? And at the time I was playing the violin. I was playing the violin and I realized every time I would play the violin at church and I played it well, the elders would give me money. Mm. Yeah. They're like, oh, like, you know, you're praising God using the instrument. Here's $20. Keep it up. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to be the church violinist. So at 10 years old, you know, I started bringing my violin to church. Every time there was a special song, I'll play. I'll play. $20 here, $20 there. There's four Sabbaths in a, in a month. You know, I'll leave $80. Then I could go shopping, buy that polo I wanted or buy those sneakers I wanted. So, like, you know, church really set the tone for my business mindset. Wow. Yeah. I've never seen that connection. It's so clear though. Like I'm hearing it and it makes all the sense in the world to me. But I've never I've never really seen that trajectory. A lot of times like I feel like I often hear about church and music progression, yeah. right? So a lot of people are like, "Yeah, I got my start as a musician. You know, I, I used to play the piano. I used to sing in church and like that turned into a career in, in uh, musicianship." But to hear, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset um, and the fashion mindset starting out of church is, is pretty cool. Yeah, honestly. I mean, a lot of people say, like, when creatives are in a constraint, like, they're really pushed against the wall. That's when they get the most creative. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because that restriction creates an environment to need to to think outside of the box exactly. to beat that, right? Exactly. Okay, so you you start being entrepreneurial at a very early age, mm-hmm. and so now you're taking up music gigs. Taking is up that, music gigs. Is that uh, does that grow past the church at all, or are you primarily is your you know your area of function typically in the church? Yeah, typically in the church. I did play for like my school orchestra, but I wasn't really getting paid for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so. Uh, how long were you capital not capitalizing, but making? How how long was was music your your form of business for? So I'll say until I got to middle school. Okay. And then we found the wonderful world of eBay. Mm, you were one of the eBay yeah, guys. Yeah, eBayers. Okay. So we kind of had a, a little family business. So Qua and Joe actually started the eBay gig because in their heads they're like, we want to get fly too. We don't got the bread to really go to these stores, but on eBay, you know, you could get something for cheap. Mm-hmm. And they kind of had the scheme where they would like bid against each other for pieces they want to make sure they want it. Like it was a scheme. So, you know, I was watching them on eBay do these things and, and always win. Like they would get the Jordans, different T-shirts and different things like that. And I'm like, yo, then I was like yo, why don't we start selling stuff on eBay? Mm. And that's when everything just kind of like started to get together. And I just started to go on like online and look at 
Marshalls and TJ Maxx and Kohl's. Like, what name brands are they selling that I could put on eBay? And I realized TJ Maxx sold Nike. Yeah. They sold Polo. So if I put these polos on eBay, they could be one random guy who doesn't notice that would pay me double the price. Wow. So I just started doing that. And then I found out about the polo outlet in Flemington, New Jersey. And they used to have these polos for half the price. (laughs) If a polo costs $40, it would be in Flemington for $15. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And, you know, I tried out on eBay. Kind of like people kind of got used to that. A lot more people started selling polos, but I realized in my school, people were still, like, their moms are still shopping for them. Yeah. So they would go to Macy's and buy that $40 polo. So I'm like, I should bring these polos to school, start selling these polos at my locker. Wow. So I'll go to Flemington, rack up on, like, 10 polos, go to my locker, and during gym class, like, yo, I got that polo if you need it. Like, yo, how much is it? $20. Like, wow, that's a deal. Is it real? Still got the tag. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'm going to tell my mom and I'll get it tomorrow. And every mom wants a bargain. Right. So I was like the polo guy in middle school, just selling polos for my locker. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah. Yo, it, it <laughs> first of all, you're taking me back. Cause like, it's funny you talked about me and Qua are close in age, right? Yeah. So you talk about Qua being from the, the baggy clothes era. But I remember I was part of both. Like, when I was in middle school, baggy clothes were like phasing out, mm-hmm. and we were getting to that Kanye West era yeah. of like pink polos and all that. LRG, so, exactly. Yeah, true religion. So, right. So all that stuff is is that's like part of our DNA mm-hmm. and and you know my generation and growing up, and the whole polo thing. Like we, I remember us searching for deals. Cause it was like, yo, especially as you started wearing adult clothes, I mean, these things are like, you know, seventy dollars yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. So it was like, yo, nah, we're not, we're not trying to buy that. Exactly. You know, and but it's funny because what what I find so interesting with your story is that so many of us, me and my team, were looking for those deals, but we were looking for them as consumers. Mm. So when we saw it, like the bulb went off. Oh my goodness, like. This is X amount of dollars at Marshall's bet. Let's let's go get it from there. But it ended there. It didn't turn into, oh, yo, I could now go back and flip this yeah, yeah. to make more. Like, I don't think the opportunity, I don't think we realized the opportunity in that exactly. moment, which I feel like it's like, it's almost like you were, you were made for this. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So you're in... Sixth, seventh grade at this yeah, point. Yeah, seventh grade, basically. Polo boy out of Adley Locker. And it was the hype culture, too. Yeah. You know, you had songs that mentioned polo. Uh-huh. Polo boy, polo swag. <laughs> so it was the hype culture. I need to get polo. I need to get this. And it fit perfectly for me because I was that kid, really nerdy, played the violin, um, played sports, wasn't that good. Couldn't play any, like, if I did play a sport, I couldn't go to any Saturday games. So there was no point. Mm, true. Always went to church. So the polo thing was, I could wear a polo to school, be fly, wear a polo to church, and be fly. Mm. I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So where, what happens after selling polos? So I, it kind of phased out again. Um, 
eighth grade. I just got tired of going to the shipping office. Mm. I didn't have a car, so I had to walk to the, the post office after school, ship it. You oh, know. you got to a point where you were distributing via yeah. mail. Yeah. I thought it was only out of the locker. Mm-hmm. I had the eBay business, too. Oh, right, so I had right, the right, right. eBay okay. and yeah, middle yeah, school yeah. business. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Of course, my older bros are helping me, but at this time, like, you know, they're older. They're going into college, end of high school. It's kind of falling on my lap. Too much responsibility for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then Flemington is like 40 minutes away from me, begging my parents to take me there. Yeah. And then people start getting to the Hollister, Aeropostale thing. There's mm-hmm. no outlet store for those. So I was like, yeah, just kind of died out. And then um, high school came. So what happened in high school? Um, Brown Mill. Oh, Brown Mill yeah. started in high school right Brownville away. Started in high school. Okay, so this is this like first year, freshman year of high school. Or? So I enter high school freshman year. You know, I'm new, looking at everything, and I just keep on hearing about this guy named Justice, and they call him Pastor Pitt because he's always dropping memory verses on Twitter, like, uh-huh. "Oh, you gotta meet Justice. You gotta meet Justice. He's so amazing. Everybody liked them. Teachers liked them. Like." Bullies liked them. Nerds liked them. He was like, I don't, everybody liked yeah. them. I was like, yo, I got to meet this guy. So one day I, I meet him through a friend and he's dressed up. He's wearing like a white shirt with a nice bow tie mm. and some nice tailored pants and some loafers. Is this, is this a student? This is a student. Okay. And we're in high school. And he's a sophomore. He's a year older than me. So okay. I'm like, yo, what's with this dude? Dressed up real nice every day. Right. Shakes your hand. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm like, yo, <laughs> this guy is different. So, you know, I just keep an eye on him. I follow him on Instagram, on Twitter, and he's always putting his workout. So he will, like, make bow ties and post them on Twitter. Mm. And he will call these bow ties Brown Mill. So I was like, yo, this is interesting. But let me not think about it too much. So for me, I'm like, yeah, I got to make some more money. I'm not at the age where I could work yet. So one day I go to BJ's with my dad and I'm in the cookie section and I find out that the cookies they sell in the vending machine in my school, they're selling at BJ's for half the price. (laughs) So I'm like, yo, come on. So I start buying these cookies and start selling them at my locker. Like I was selling these cookies that were $1.50 in the vending machines for a dollar out my locker and making a very big profit. Right. And I had like a, I had employees too. I had a, other freshmen selling it for me and it was growing. And I in my head, I was just like, I could sell anything out my locker. Yeah. People were hitting me up and Instagram was booming at the time. So I would post the cookies on Instagram and I'll have like, okay, I'm not selling on Tuesday, but find me on Wednesday. Like, find me on Friday, just building that hype. Yeah. And it was going really well. And I was like, yo, I was getting a little cocky. I was like, I could really sell anything. Then I got in trouble. Oh, what happened? I got in trouble. trouble. My Spanish teacher told the principal on me. I think she thought I was selling more than cookies. Mm. Yeah. And the principal went in my locker and was like, you really can't sell cookies. Somebody (laughs) could get allergic to it. Blah blah blah. I'm like, they're selling this in the vending machine. He was like, just stop, please. Right. And so, we, you know, always finding yeah, some kind of reason. Yeah, you but... know. And I'm not. I have African parents. So I'm not trying to cause any trouble. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Then I see Justice post on his Twitter that he's selling these bow ties. Like people could buy them. I'm like, yo, this is really cool. 
So I'm like, yo, can I get a bow tie? Makes me a beautiful bow tie. Really beautiful. Mm. Polka dot red and it's reversible. So it's red on one side and polka dot on the other side. So I go to some like um, future business leader meeting Mm -hmm. and I wear it and everybody's complimenting me. And there's one dude and he's like, I'll buy that bow tie off your neck right now. So I'm like, $50. I just saved 50. He's like, you got it. Wow. Yeah. So I take it off my neck and I give him the bow tie and he gives me 50. So I'm like, wow, that was easy. (laughs) So I'm like, Yo, I have a I have a business. So my plan was to just as to give me bow ties and I'll sell them and I'll pocket the profit. Right. Yeah. I'm like, maybe I'll buy it from him for like a discount and then I'll put it on eBay and then pocket it. Then I went to talk to him and he was like, Yeah, I make all these bow ties myself. I'm like, no way. I didn't know he made the bow ties by himself. Right. So I was like, show me. So he brought me to his mom's house and he had like a little setup, like a little sewing machine. And he actually made these bow ties by hand every day after school. That's incredible. And they're beautiful bow ties. And I'm like, I got to get a part of this. Yeah. I got to join this. So I come to him the next day. I'm like, yo, let me sell your bow ties for you. And this is how we're going to do it. You make the bow ties. You give them to me. I sell it out my locker. And he's like, cool. I have another guy that's trying to work with me too. His name was Taha. So Taha was a graphic designer and Taha would make graphic designs. And we had like a mini t-shirt printing um, station in the school and they'll print t-shirts. Is this Piscataway High? This is Piscataway High. Okay. So you had Justice making bow ties. You had Taha making t-shirts. Then you had me selling it. So it was like a triangle. It was like wow. the, the perfect union. Yeah. So I come the next day, white shirt, bow tie, tailor pants, straight Justice style. People were like, yo. Quake, you dress different. I'm like, yeah, I'm brown mill now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm brown mill now. Hit him with the flex. Yeah. And <laughs> I got a deal now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yo, y'all want a bow tie? People were like, nah. So I knew at that moment, in order to get people to buy the bow ties, I need to get the football team. Because the football team run ran Piscataway High School. Mm-hmm. Everything the football team did was cool. And I knew a couple of guys on the football team. My best friend, George, was on the football team. So I'll give him bow ties. Like, yo, George, wear this, please. Wear this. Wear this with me. <laughs> We're walking down the hallways. Me, George, wearing these big bow ties. And he was like, yo, that's kind of fly. And we, we weren't even dressing it up, like, nicely. We were wearing these baggy pants and some shoes. We weren't even dressing it up. And people were like, yo, that's fly. I need a bow tie now. I need a bow tie now. And it just kind of blew up. We had yeah. the bow tie. Um, I'm like, yo, we need to sell like outside of school. We had an Etsy shop. You know, Justice was making more bow ties. And the interesting thing was, before we even knew about sustainability, we we're only using like old fabrics to make the bow ties because you couldn't afford to buy fabric. Mm. Like we'll go to Hobby Lobby and we'll try to buy like silk or like beautiful like print, and it'll be like forty dollars, mm. and we have like ten dollars in our pocket. We're like, nah, we can't do this. So we'll like take pictures of the print and then look in like my mom's closet or his mom's closet for like a similar print. And we'll always find it. Like we wanted like a, a striped navy. Go in my mom's dress. And she'd be like, oh yeah, this dress that I had in the 90s doesn't fit. Here you guys go. Same fabric. So that was the fabric that you were using. Yeah, that was the create. fabric there. Mm-hmm. It was that the same thing he was using as well prior to you getting on? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll get that. And Justice is like, yo. 
why don't I just get a job in Hobby Lobby so I get the, the, the discount? So he got a job at Hobby Lobby and he got the discount. Wow. So we get all this nice fabric because he worked there. He yeah. had the employee discount. So our bow tie game just blew up. Yeah. And then as we were blowing up, Snapchat and Instagram was blowing up too. And I really got like a crash course in marketing. So I ran track and we'll do these like meets and, you know, a lot of schools would come to one meet and I always made sure I would wear my bow ties before I changed into my track jersey, mm-hmm. like, like an NBA pregame show. Right. Like everybody would come with their sweats and like their baggy jackets because, you know, you're about to sweat. I'll come fly. Like I'm the coach. People are like, yo, like, why are you always dressed up? Brownville. It's Brownville. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. If you're always looking wow. at me and they'll follow me on IG, like, they want to know, like, why is this guy who's dressed so nerdy at a track meet? And they'll see my page, all the bow ties. And you're like, yeah, I want one. Because they knew they got one. And when they went to area school, they'll be the first person to have it. Right. So, you know, people in Franklin started buying Brownville bow ties. People in Plainfield started buying Brownville bow ties. And then people in Piscataway was like, yo, like, Nah, like, this is Piscataway. Mm. So they started rapping us hard. We started to make t-shirts. Everybody wanted the t-shirts. What was the transition from bow ties to t-shirts? Was it like, just like, let's do something else? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we had a lot of ideas. Like, let's do something else. We had Taha doing graphic design, and he was really good. We had support from my teachers that let us print in their shops. So profit margins were just crazy. Yeah. So uh, did you learn how to sew along the way in this process? So at I, this point, I were, wanted to. Yeah. But I decided not to. Okay. Like, at this moment. So at that time, you were doing, you were primarily sales. You I were was like in the sales business. and marketing. Sales yeah. and marketing. And the social media. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. Sales, marketing, social media. And Todd and Justice are doing like creative design, okay. production. Okay. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you get into t shirts. We get into t shirts. Um, Ty had some designs. He learned how to use Photoshop Illustrator. We had the print shop in the school. So we're like, we should start printing. Is this all still freshman year or at this point? No, this is like probably my junior year and their senior year of high school. Okay. So we're like a year apart. And this is like we're legit now. We have the Brown Mill Instagram. We have a website. And we have like, you know, sales coming in. Like Etsy and different things. But we weren't businessmen Mm -hmm. at all. We didn't know how to handle the money. We'll get sales on Etsy and we won't ship it. Nah. Like, Why? we just weren't. It's just like high school. We had homework. I had to track me, bro. You're going <laughs> to ship it? Nah, I have mad homework to do. Yeah. You shipping it? Nah, I got an exam. We just were <laughs> horrible. Were they just, men. they were getting set, sent late or just not at all? <laughs> they would get sent late, like okay. real late. Yeah. Right. They would eventually get sent, but yeah. like real late. And you know, that whole like business rep. We didn't really, we didn't really have an idea of it yet. Right. It was all about like, yo, we're cool. Like we make clothes, you know, people think we're cool. Girls like us, we're fly. You know, that hype was getting to our heads. Till one day we look at the numbers like, Quaker, how many bow sizes did you sell? Oh, 20. How many did you sell? 20, blah, blah, blah. How much money do we have? Zero. What? Mm. We have zero dollars. How? Oh, bro. Like I was hungry. I had to buy some tacos. Oh, bro, my, my mom, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, hit me. I'm like, yo, we're not even putting the money in the place. Like, we're, we're not even handling our money the, the right way. All right. So we just started getting really serious about it. 
like towards the end of like high school, Justice got really serious about his craft, started to um, intern in different places in New York. He actually took a trip to China in um, high school. Wow. He got more into tailoring and like just more creative. Mm -hmm. Ty really got into his like illustrations. And by like the end of junior year, we were so serious into our craft. Like I felt like we were grown men in high school. Yeah. I, I mean, took a it job. Sound like it. I took a job in, in men's warehouse as a suit salesman at 16 years old. Wow. Yeah. So every day after school, I'll go to men's warehouse dressed up in a suit and tie, selling suits to like businessmen and like tuxedo rentals. Wearing your brown mill bow tie. Wearing my brown mill bow tie. And probably making some sales. Yes. And That's incredible. Justice is, is interning in cities. He's like interning for all these companies, learning about tailoring and production and product development. Taha's taking classes to get his illustrations up. So we really got real serious. And, like, people really saw the shift. Like, oh, you guys are really doing something. And this is in high school. That's wild. Yeah. So was when you got serious, was the motivation business-based? Was it like, oh, we have something. We want to go full-time with this. Like, what was the direction that really guided that leap? To, to become more serious? Um, I'll say it was really Justice. Like our, the co-founder, the guy who started to set us down, he was yeah. like, I don't want Brown Mill to just be clothes. Mm. I want it to be a lifestyle. And just even the name of Brown Mill, he named it after his grandparents. So he's like, we're carrying their heritage and mm. what they stood for. So if we're not going to be serious about it, we, we got to leave. I'm like, yo, wow. this is legit. And that whole lifestyle of brown mill like really resonating with me like what is brown mill what is a brown mill man what is it yeah yeah and i tell us so the brown mill man is somebody who cares about their community first their craft and their family that's the brown mill man wow yeah and i'm like i want to be the brown mill man example i want to do that i want to be a multi-dimensional person that's passionate like when you see me you know i'm passionate that i care and that I uphold certain values. So senior year of high school was just me turning into the Brown man. Mm. I was in a chamber orchestra, so that's like the highest orchestra you could be in. I ran varsity track. I was a track captain, and I was also in AP classes Jeez. the whole time. Right, just excellence. Running Brown Mill and working at Men's Warehouse mm. at your school. That was a Brown man. That's me senior year, still wearing a Brown Mill bow tie. Mm -hmm. So when people see me, they're like, all right, I get it. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so at, at any point during this high school journey, as you're building this out, is the intention to drop everything else and only pursue this? Or because you guys are getting more serious yeah. now, but as you hit junior year and senior year of high school, a lot of the talk begins to form around, well, what's next? Are you looking into college or... You know, they have like the Votech school. So like, do you want to go to technical training? Yeah. And, you know, so where did you stand with all of that? You had two other, bro two older brothers that We're went the university route. Yeah. Right. So what was on your mind at that point? So college was, uh, was definitely a choice for me. I had no other option coming from my family. I couldn't tell my parents I weren't going to college. So it was kind of like, you're going to college. I had no idea what I wanted to do in college. My parents were telling me I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do biology, even though I hated science. Right. I was never good in science. I just kind of got past science because I had good friends to study with, but I hated science. So even applying to schools, I was applying to biology programs in school. 
So at this time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Even though I was doing Brownman, I was doing sales and marketing and finance. Business was an option because according to my parents, business was a place where you wouldn't find a job. See, they're talking about like the recession, 2008, like, oh, all the people on Wall Street lost their jobs and now they're working at McDonald's. My dad would always say that to me. And I was like, okay, so business is out. Right. Okay. Then I want to do Brown Mill. You can't do Brown Mill. You guys don't know what you're doing. You guys are young. Where's the money going to come from? Okay, money is out. I guess I'll do, do biology. All the doctors I know make a lot of money. Yeah. So you choose biology for that? I So I chose biology um, my senior year when I was applying to schools. I get into Rutgers, and I get into a program called Odasis for the summer. So I told my dad, I was like, Dad, I don't really know about biology, but I'm going to try out Odasis for you. It's a two-week program, and if I don't like it, I'm going to have to do something else when I go to school. He's like, deal. I go to Odasis, first day, I hate it. <clears throat> I hate it so much. I've heard so many things about Odasis. Just like. I, I just I just hate, like, I don't understand what they're saying. They're talking about DNA and ribosomes and things like that. I'm just like, this is not for me. Yeah. I couldn't even finish the week. Wow. I couldn't finish. I went two days to Odasis and I was like, I can't do it. I got to do something else. What you end up switching to? Finance. And was, why Finance. So I talked to one of my mentors in high school, and I just told him I went to Odasis and I didn't like it. And he was like, yo, you're a businessman. Your parents are telling you that you can't find a job exactly because no job is going to be able to hold you. You're going to make your own job. You're a businessman. You need to study business. And who told you this? Uh, my mentor in high school, Mr. Viney. Did you know he was your mentor back then? Yeah. yeah. You knew? Yeah, I knew he was my mentor. So... How did that really can you take us back real quick? How did gotcha. that relationship start? Um, so just in our high school, there wasn't a lot of like black teachers. And Mr. Viney was that black teacher that will look out for all his black students. You get in trouble before you go into the principal's office, you talk to Mr. Viney first, <laughs> then you go to the principal's office. Right. And Mr. Viney was that that teacher that will take you to the side and like straighten you out. Yeah, you he really be on you. Make sure you're doing what you need to do. And by the time I became a senior, he wanted to start a mentoring program where seniors, you know, that weren't that well behaved their freshman year, that kind of straightened themselves out by senior year, but mentor freshmen that are like, you know, kind of wild. And it was called Piscataway 50 Strong. Okay. So we started that program. It was me, probably like 15 other seniors, and we would mentor these freshmen. Y'all were the first class. We were the first class. Dope. Yeah. And it was dope. And Mr. Vani was like our mentor. And every day he would just tell us about college and like what to look out for, how to do financial aid, how to do FAFSA. Because, you know, a lot of us were first generation. This mm-hmm. is the first time we're hearing this. So he always just had our back. You know, I told him I wanted to do biology in high school. And he's like, eh. But in my head, I was like, I can't say no to my dad. That was still my mindset. Like, whatever my parents say, I got to do. Right. So when he heard me say I didn't like what Daisy's, he's like, yeah, I knew it. I knew you wouldn't like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's crazy. So how was finance for you then? There was only one problem. It was what? There was only one problem with finance. Okay. I didn't get into the business school. Mm. Yeah. So I applied. I didn't get into the business school. I got into the Rutgers School of Engineering and um, Arts and Sciences, but the business school flat out denied me. So I was like, I can't do finance right now. 
got to be undecided and then transfer into the business school my sophomore year. So I kind of went in undecided, took all my general classes before I started my finance track. And that worked out? I applied again sophomore year and I got denied again. So what's going through your head at this point? Because in, in your mind, right, you were an extremely successful businessman in high school. Yeah. You've, you're running this entrepreneurial thing. You're making sales. You're, you know, you have the marketing thing down packed and you're making all this impact around you. But, and then in, even on top of that, your parents are telling you like, ah, we don't know about business. We yeah. don't know about finance and all that. But you, deep down, you you have some evidence of being successful there. But now business school is telling you no twice. Yeah. What kind of impact does that have on your psyche and in, in that uh, It was a big impact. Because a lot, at this time, a lot was going on. So it's my sophomore year of Rutgers University. I came to school with my two co-founders, Justice and Taha. And at this time, they just told me that they're not going to continue school. They're going to pivot out of school, mm-hmm. work, and then work on the company. So I'm there, still trying to do the school thing, trying to get into finance, doing everything I had to do, and then getting that rejection. Like, no. Wow. Yeah. So how did you get through that? It took a lot, you know. I was, you know, in my bag that year. I was living on Douglas, too, so that didn't help, if you know Douglas <laughs> campus. But we just going to leave that one for, Rucker, for Rutgers heads only. But um, one shining moment was, so... When I got that rejection from the the business school, the girl I was talking to at the time at Rutgers, she was in the honors college, and she told me that a financial firm was at Rutgers doing a talk at the honors college, Mm. and I should come just to hear what they have to say. And at this point, I was like, you know, I'm not coming, you know, I didn't get into the school. They're not even going to look at me. She was like, no, just come. Just come see what they have to say. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to bring a couple bow ties. So even if I don't like like what they're saying, maybe I can sell a couple to them. Real quick, are you still undecided in your major at this point? Yes. Okay. So you guys are undecided. Undecided. But you, you still got your business and you know that you want to eventually pivot to finance. Yeah. Okay. So I, I go there wearing a brown mill t-shirt, wearing some jeans and some sneakers, three bow ties in my back pocket. As soon as I step into the honors college, I see white students wearing suits. And I'm like, uh, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> this is so awkward. So I just stand in the back, you know, looking around awkwardly, like looking at my clock, just trying not to make a scene. So after the program is done, and I wasn't even listening to the program. I was teaching like investment banking and credit and accounting. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. So after that, I see one of the main dudes that I was talking, and he's wearing like a really nice suit. So for my time in Men's Warehouse, you know, I'm looking at his suit. I'm like, oh, he's wearing a Hickey Freeman Winter Collection <laughs> 2016. This guy has style. Right. So I go up to him, like, this is a really nice suit. You know, cotton count is on point, blah, blah, blah. So we were just talking about his suit. And he's like, thanks. Like, how do you know all this stuff? I'm like, oh, I used to work at Men's Warehouse for like a couple of years. He's like, okay, cool. And I was like, do you know what made that suit better? This bow tie. So I take out this navy mosaic, mosaic bow tie out of my pocket. I show him, like, this bow tie will make it better. And he's like, I don't know how to tie a bow tie. 
and I'll teach how to buy buy a bow tie. But it comes with you buying a bow tie. And he's like, wow, that's a good deal. How much would it be if I buy the bow tie and you teach me? I'm like, oh, it's $5 extra. He's like, why? He's like, oh, that's a premium. And he's like, what do you know about premiums? I'm like, that's what you get if you buy the bow tie. And he's like, just asking me a lot of questions about the bow tie. Oh, what is the benefit of me buying the bow tie from you? And I'm like, this is a one-of-a-kind bow tie. It's handcrafted. We got the fabric from India. And if you don't buy this bow tie today, you're going to see it on TV or somebody <laughs> else. And, you know, he starts laughing just like that. And he's like, yo, you're good. I'm going to get the bow tie. How much? And I'm like, $50. He's like, I'll give it to you for, but I'll give it to you for $35. So I, I give him the bow tie. After he pays me, he's like, how much did it cost for you guys to make it? And I'm like, uh, I think this bow tie cost us $2. Because, you know, we used uh, told him straight up. upcycled fabric. But yeah. he had his money in his, in his yeah, pocket. Yeah, right. So I'm about to walk away. And he's like, yo, not so fast. What's your name? I'm like, Kwaku. And he's like, oh, where year are you? I'm like, I'm a sophomore. He's like, oh, what are you doing this summer? And I'm like, I got a job at Telefun, Rutgers Telefun. <laughs> He's like, why are you working there? And I was like, they pay good. And I heard you could, you know, use your phone and like study. And I'm taking a summer class. He's like, but how's that going to benefit like, your bow tie business? What benefit does it have? And I'm like, I don't know. I just need the money. And he's like, well, did you hear the talk? I saw you in the back. And I'm like, I didn't really hear what you had to say. Like, that's not really for me. He's like, why is it not for you? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know a lot about finance. And he's like, so why don't you learn more? This whole time I'm talking to the head recruiter, <laughs> this whole time, uh-huh. and I didn't notice at the time. So he's like, you know, I like you, and I got to go, but meet me for coffee next week. Nice. Gives me his card. Look at the card. I see his name, and I see under it, head recruiter for Rutgers University. I'm like, no way. No way. So I tell my dad. My dad's like, oh, you have to you have to go. You have to meet him. You have to talk to him. Just some nice, all this stuff. All right. And I'm like, okay. So I meet him next week for Starbucks, and he just has, like, the pamphlet for this undergrad camp that they have every summer for kids that want an internship that summer. And he's like, I need you to apply for this. And I'm like, I can't apply. I don't, I'm not in the business school. I'm not in the finance major. He's like, don't worry about that. I need you to apply to this. What's your GPA? My GPA was, like, a 2.7 at the time. And he's like, okay, the cutoff is 3.0. This is like early spring semester. He's like, if you could bring your GPA out to 3.0, then you could apply and we could talk. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, that's a challenge. I like challenges. So that semester, I was really in my bag. No student center parties, just grinding it out. And, you know, Brownman wasn't really moving at the time because, you know, my team members were transitioning out of that school phase. So a lot of the sales were, again, it was like online sales. So in the books, in the libraries, just learning, reading everything I can about finance and investment banking, watching movies, just really trying to get into that, like linking up with people in the business school, looking at what they're studying. And by the time like the semester ends, I have a 4.0 GPA. Well, wow. for the semester. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought my GPA up, up that threshold by a little bit. I think it was like a 3.1-ish. And I applied and I got in. The thing that was special about that was there's only two kids I got in from Rutgers to that whole camp. It was me and some other kid in the business school. Wow. And when I got into that, the camp, and I the first day I went, there was kids from Harvard, kids from Princeton, 
kids from like different countries, China, Japan, they all flew out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm there. They're wearing their suits. I'm wearing my suits. I'm looking at them like, all right, I belong here. This guy's from Harvard, but he can't even tell her his suit right. <laughs> and that tie doesn't go with that shirt. I'm like, all right, I belong right. here. So get into that. And like that competitive spirit that, you know, I always had with like cells and like brown. I'm like, now I'm not selling a product. I'm selling myself. So at that whole camp, you know, I was networking, networking laterally and networking up. And my goal is to be the most light person in the room. So even if I didn't have the technical skills, people could always be like, Quaker, I like them. Mm-hmm. I like that dude. I like that dude. So right. camp was amazing. You know, met some connections. After the camp, one of the people reached out to me like, hey, I need you to apply for an internship. I just need you to apply. Don't worry about the interview. Just apply. Apply for an internship. Got the interview, then got an internship about being in the business school. See, now when I started telling my friends that were in the business school that I had an internship, they're like, wait, what? How do you have an internship and, like, you're not even in the business school? And I was like, yeah, you're right. So at this point, one of my advisors um, at Rutgers, Mr. Marcellus, well, Dean Marcellus now, was like, yo, you should really try to get into the business school now. Like, just because you didn't get in your sophomore year, there's different ways you get in. And he's like, you could do a business administration major, take all your core classes, and then transfer your senior year and just take your finance classes your senior year. Mm. Even though it's going to be longer and may have me graduating a semester late, at least I'll get that finance degree. Right. And that's what I did. Wow. So I want to backtrack real quick. Just to the mentality standpoint of where you were, was your confidence shattered at all along this way? Like you you didn't have the GPA at the point and it was a challenge. You were motivated by that challenge. But was there a part of you that doubted your your acumen at all? Yeah. What was that? How did you navigate that? Um, It's really it's really hard. Um, It's really like a, a plant you feed. Mm. So one day you're just like, yo, why are you reading this? You don't understand what the stock is. Then you're like, yo, you know, you're so dumb. Like, you don't understand this. Like, just do an easy major. Just do just do something else. You you can't do this. Like, you're wasting time. Look at your friend on LinkedIn. He just landed this. And look at your friend here. He just landed this. And you're just, you're just stuck here. And that doubt just gets louder and louder. And sometimes it just, like, eats you up. And it takes some stepping back and, like, Talking to the people that know you the best to really get out that. So my older bros, Quad, Joe, they really helped me along the way. Yo, you're smart. You could sell things like you could do it. Finance like you got this. My parents, definitely a big help. Even though my parents knew I was like a knucklehead, they never doubted me. Mm. It was always encouragement. It was never they never put me down. Show my dad like a bad report card. It's okay. You got it. Next semester. You got this. And I say it also my church. Like, I knew I played around with church when I was younger, but the benefit was there because it's really a village. People don't want to see you do bad. They want to see you do well. If you're not doing well, why aren't you doing well? This is how you could do better. Or I'm just going to pray for you. Not every time you need to give somebody advice, just, I hear you, I'll pray for you. Mm. And that really helped because at this point, I knew I had a little village behind me. I had my parents, my family, my faith, and Brownville. And I can't let these guys down. Right. I can't just lie in my bed and be in my back when Brown Mills looking at me and people who supported me buying my bow ties when I was younger and all these different people. It was kind of like, you got to do it, bro. Get up. Yeah. 
So you get the internship. Get the internship. And what's that summer like for you? It's a great summer. It's a really great summer. So I always knew I had the the demeanor to be a businessman, but I don't I never had the substance like the technical knowledge like really pitch myself and mm-hmm. that that internship is really just like polishing. All right, this is where you're good at. This is where you can improve. This is how you need to communicate things. This is how you need to express yourself. This is how you delegate tasks. This is how you be a leader. This is how you do different things. And in my head, I was always like, oh, you know, I'm a businessman and like I run a brown mill, but this is like real business. This is deadlines and maneuvering, delegation and pitching things and, you know, communicating with like managers and managers, managers, and just making sure your team members work together. It's kind of like being a New England Patriot, you know, very competitive. Mm. They practice hard. But that culture, like every player that leaves, leaves better. And you know, even though I maybe I didn't like it the best, it still made me a better person. Yeah. After our internship, I came out to Brown Mills like, yo, we got to work. And we got to be cleaner with everything we do. We need to have a structure. We make dope clothes, but the business side of the clothes needs to be out there too. Mm. And we just started moving. And so <clears throat> when you come back from the internship, mm-hmm. your team members are, are kind of, I guess, still in this transition phase yeah. as you know they're they're they've left school now and they're trying to figure out the brown mill situation exactly. so when you're coming back what was that dynamic like as they were phasing out of this transition phase and you're now reinvigorated yeah and you're bringing this new energy in mm-hmm. were they receptive of that and you know how did that conversation go it was kind of like now we knew our roles because i at first i felt like everybody was doing everything Justice was producing, designing, and he's also making like business choices. And Taha was like designing, shipping the product, and making products. And at this time, the team is a little bigger. Mm-hmm. We have a little bigger team. Mm-hmm. So everybody's just doing everything. But at the same time, nobody's doing anything. <laughs> and it's just like, it's crazy. But when you go to a place like everybody has set roles. And everybody flourishes in the roles because they're set. Like, I know I need to do this. Right. This person's going to do that. Right. At the end, everything's going to get done. And I'm like, we got to do that. So Justice, you're our creative director. You know style better than everybody. You know production. Do that. Taha, business operations, find the best quality fabric. Finding things, to, places where we can manufacture things. Places where we could keep everything sustainable. Shipping things fast. Do that. Me? business you know finance accounting making business moves i gotta do that and then when we do our roles don't overlap only way the company could grow and know we're friends and we grew up together but now we're business partners wow yeah that's powerful man yeah so that's a that was a real impactful summer from you very for you even just mentally definitely definitely and just even just like you know sophomore going into junior year of college Rutgers is fun. Like, Rutgers is a great time. Yeah. And, you know, our mindset became, like, how can we have fun still with doing Brown Mill? Mm-hmm. Like, what opportunities could Brown Mill give us? And that's entrance, like, the Howard story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Entrance, like, you know, doing these pop-ups in different schools. And... So, it, that happens after this internship yeah. summer. So, yeah. all of those, those new ideas. Because, you know, I'm 
interning with all these different schools, talking to them, dressing up, wearing my brownwell bow ties, telling them about the, like, the company. The same time, we have Justice and Taha. And at this point, um, another person is part of the company, Chris Chandler. He's like a graphic designer and doing content. They're in on the ground in New Jersey, just making sales. And now our Instagram looks good. So I'm showing people the Instagram. Like, we, we do this, we do this. Like, oh, I'm president of the African Culture Club at Yale. I'm president of this at Howard. I'm president of this. Yo, when we have a fashion show, we're going to bring you out. When we have a fashion show, we're going to bring you out. Like, So it's always just people calling me like, hey, what's up, Kwaku? Does Brownman want to come to Morgan State and do a pop-up? Yeah, sure. We go there, we do the pop-up, make some money. That night, you know, people see us selling clothes. We party. We have fun. Perfect. Business and pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really, really dope. Yeah. So you said Howard happened like that too? So Howard was very spontaneous. So okay. we did we did um Morgan State homecoming. It was 150 of homecoming. Great time, great vibes. You know, HBC HBCUs always show a lot of support to us. For sure. We have our little stand, people are buying. And then one girl was like, Are you guys coming to Howard next week? They're doing homecoming. And my co-founder, Justice, is like, oh yeah, we're coming to Howard. <laughs> so I look at him like Yo, we're coming to Howard How? So, yo, we just got to, like, pack our stuff and just go there and we could do a pop-up. And he's like, don't worry. I know I know people there. So I'm like, okay. Call one of my friends that goes to Howard. And I'm like, yo, is it possible for us to do a pop-up at Howard? She's like, no way. People that do pop-ups in Howard pay for their booth a year before. And it's $800 or something like that. There's no way you could do a pop. Don't even try. Just come. <laughs> Just come. So I tell Justice that. And he's like, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. He calls somebody else. And the guy's like, I don't really know if you could do a pop up. But hey, if you don't get caught, then you don't get caught. So he's like, all right, we're doing a pop up. The whole time, I'm just like, no, nah, this is a bad idea. And it's usually like this. It's usually like Justice and Ty, like, yo, we're doing this. And yeah. I'm like, this is a bad You're idea. Right. The cops come and then we get <laughs> robbed or, or like we're driving. You don't even have a good car. Like, nah, we're doing it. So it's Friday. I, I remember I hit you up Thursday. I'm like, yeah, I'm coming on Friday. I'm going to stay over mm-hmm. and we're going to the pop the next day. Friday night, we're still making clothes. We're, ah, still, so my, we're still in Justice's garage making clothes for Howard pop-up. Howard, pop, Howard homecoming starts at like 9 a.m. We leave New Jersey at like 4.30 a.m. Oh, my goodness. And at this time, we're like, okay, I'm going to drive the first hour. Justice, you're driving the second. Ty, you're driving the third hour. <laughs> as soon as they get in the car, they, they, they knock out. So I drive the whole way through. So by the time I get to your house, I'm like a zombie. I'm yeah. like, yo, what's good, bro? Yo, what's good? What's good? And it's like 8 a.m. And Justice's like, yo, we got to go now because right. if we don't Y'all go. Y'all was there for like two seconds. I yeah, remember. Like, yeah, like, yo, if we don't go. <laughs> Then we can't like set the pop up. We gotta go before the people come. I'm like, we can't even get breakfast. He's like, nah, we gotta go. We gotta go. The way we packed the clothes was so sloppy. We packed multiple boxes and metal containers. Mm. That's all we could find. And we couldn't find parking. So we legit parked like a half a mile away from campus. Oh my god. So we parked the car. I'm like, before we did the stuff, let's look at if we could set up a pop up. We go to like the field they have with the stage. I guess uh, Rick Ross performed that year. Mm-hmm. And there's like people popped up. I'm like, oh, can we set up? And the woman was like, no, you have to be a licensed vendor. 
you need to have like paid this money. You can't set up here. So we're looking around, we're asking like the cops, oh, can we set up? No, you can't set up. Like you don't have a vending license. No. So we go to like the tailgate area where all like the different fraternities are set up. And we're just like, dang, we came all the way here, you know, and we can't even set up anywhere. And Justin's like, nah, we're going to find a place. So he starts going to these like frat tents. He goes to the queues and he's like, yo, I'm from New Jersey. You know, we have a brand and we just want to do a pop up. We're not going to sell anything. And they're like, nah, this is for charity. We're not even selling things ourselves, bro. Sorry. And we go to a couple more tents till we go to the AK tent. Justin's like, all right. I'm going to be a little smooth. So he goes to the AKA tent. He goes up to this woman and he's like, hello, how are you doing? And she's like, yo, get away from me. Why are you wearing that? So Justice is wearing a Morgan State hoodie and Howard's playing Morgan State for the homecoming game. And we just put the, the connection together. So Justice is like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I went to Morgan, I went to Morgan State last week and we did the pop-up and, like, I just thought it was cool. Don't I look good? And she's like, yeah, you, you do look kind of cute. And I'm working state hoodie. And Justin's like, looks at me and look at him. He's like, yeah, you know, we just came out here from New Jersey. And she's like, you guys are really early. He's like, yeah, because we're businessmen. We're always on time. And she's like, oh, what type of business do you do? Now her friends are coming over. And I come over and like, oh, yeah, we're in the, the fashion business. And, you know, we came to Howard and we want to do like a little display but you know we don't really have a, a place to do a display so you might just head back to new jersey girl was like oh you guys don't need to head back to new jersey you you might be able to find a place just keep on looking just like nah i don't know like but you guys have a pretty big tent and there's a lot of room there <laughs> like is it possible for us you know to just put a mannequin just put a mannequin there like nothing else just a mannequin we stand by and we tell people what it's about we're a black business and we know that aka supports black business and black empowerment and just black finance and it'll be just an honor to be under you guys i hear great things he's talking it up i'm looking at him like wow the girl's like mm, you know we did pay some money from the booth but hey okay if you throw us a little bit of bread we could put you behind the booth but if you guys get in trouble we have nothing to do with it just all right cool give her like 40 dollars or something she thinks this is gonna be a mannequin we go back to the car we bring everything out we have a rug we have three racks we have a sofa we have a sofa two mannequins bring out a whole setup and we just start setting up and she's looking her mouth is just open but the thing is she didn't tell her like the head of the tent what we're doing and she was like, at this point, I can't say anything. I'm going to get yelled at. So we're just building out a whole display. Boom, boom, boom. We got the steamer, we're pressing shirts, blah, blah, blah. Everything's done. So we're just there, you know, working. So there's looking at us like, oh, my. Yo, what are these guys doing? The time the tailgate starts, we have a whole setup with a couch and everything. Howard Homecoming comes, just crowds of people. People are coming over to, like, and there's a tailgate, so people are getting food, and, you know, there's music, there's a DJ, and there's, you know, the frats and the sororities are stepping and strolling. Nobody's selling clothes. So people are just automatically like, wait, what is that? Why are they set up there? Like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, oh, we're brown, we're set up. People are like, are you guys supposed to be here? And we're like, ah, maybe. <laughs> and we did the, that was like the best pop-up we had, like, to that date. Wow. Yeah. 
we did so well in sales. Like, yeah. We sold out out of everything. The support, which is crazy. Even John Wall came to our tent. Wow. Yeah. Like so, that. This junk is like this junk is legit. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful day. Um, you know, people on the team. You know, we got kind of lit. And then towards the end, the cops started walking around. Mm-hmm. And one cop was like, wait, are you guys supposed to be here? And we had a dude that wasn't even part of the team talking to the cops on our behalf. He's like, yo, relax, lady. This is Brown Mill. Like, they're always good in the hood. And she was like, no, this is a violation. Like, you can't sell things in this property. This is a nonprofit property. You guys need to leave now or we're going to give you guys a ticket or even take you guys in. And she's telling this to this guy. And I'm like, hearing, I'm like, oh, like, these guys are not supposed to be here. Let me go call them. Because she doesn't know I'm part of the company. So I like, I like, I'm calling them, go on my phone. I call Justice, like, yo, take everything down. Take everything down. So we started taking everything down. But what was so beautiful was that as we were taking things down, people that didn't even know it started taking things down, started folding clothes. Like, these alphas, I don't even know where from, started folding clothes, putting it back. This other girl started like folding a rug. It was like a whole community. By the time it was me, Justice, and my my like team members in the front, 15 people in the back just holding clothes, walking us to the car. Wow. Like, yo, bro, like we support y'all. Like camaraderie for we, we we don't want to see y'all get in trouble. Like it was even an old head, like a really old dude holding like the big chest and the sofa. Like, you guys are good. Like wow. we appreciate y'all for even doing this. And I was just like, yeah, like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's dope yeah. I must say like you know um, <clears throat> having moved to the D.C. area and also being a recruiter at HBCUs shout out to Howard and Hampton um, yo like I like the the community is like no other yeah you know having been from Rutgers you know PWI and that being my experience seeing this the community and the love and the camaraderie that exists and how much they they put each other on mm-hmm. and support is just love, bro. Yeah. And there's so many countless things that I can say. Anytime I've done things, podcasts, splatter, whatever it is, I feel like there's so much love mm-hmm. that that's always given and support and all that. So Definitely. I'm not surprised to hear that you know you found a village to to be able to support in that way. It's awesome. Dope. So after mm-hmm. that pop up for you know what what kind of What's what? What do the next few, you know, next year or two look like? That was twenty seventeen. Yeah. So, you know, up to about like last year or so. What what were things looking like for you guys? So, um, after that, we're just like we're gonna go on a college tour. We're gonna do as many college events as we can because we realized it was a direct correlation between online sales and our college tours. Mm. We'll go to these areas and we'll do a fashion show and we will have like the best line. Well, I would think it's the best line. And people will see that, follow us on IG, we'll drop something, online sales. And it was just perfect. And, you know, this time we don't really have any, like, we never even did, like, our own pop-up. We're just doing pop-ups in schools. And we realized, like, people really come out, people will support. And a lot of people like, yo, you know, I saw you guys post a flyer, did some research, and saw that what you guys stood for, you know, education, environment, community, family. And I, I made sure I, I came out. And we realized we were attracting like like-minded people at these pop-ups, creating little Brownville villages in these little places. We went to Yale University, we went to Cornell University, um, we went to um, Carnegie Mellon University. How did you choose your schools? 
How is um, that confidential? Like people would invite us and we're just like look at the school and be like, I never been there. You know, I never been there. Let's check it out. Mm, and just give it a shot. Yeah. You know, and we're driving everywhere. We're taking like five hour trips and like three hour trips to these schools and just doing fashion shows and passing our business cards and just meeting a lot of people. I think my junior year is like every weekend I was at a different event. And I didn't really think much of it. People were like, how did you do your homework? How did you like, you know, balance everything? I was like, it's great because I'm not only meeting people at my school, I was meeting people at other schools and I'm seeing the benefits now, like outside of college. Because every time I run into like an issue, I'm like, oh, let me call my boy at Carnegie Mellon, that model for us. Or let me call my girl at Cornell that wrote that article on us. Or let me call my boy who did that blog for us in Howard. Like the connections is just crazy through the yeah. business. Yeah. So you're doing pop-ups. You were doing pop-ups. And at first they're colleges. Colleges. And I know just because I've attended that eventually it transitions to you start to do your own pop-ups. Yeah. So what's the story behind that? So the story behind that is, um, you know, I'm still in, I'm still in college and we're doing these fashion shows, but they get old. I think we do like twice a fashion show, like four years in a row. And it's kind of like, what else could we do now? Like, it's the same thing. We, we can't really top what we're doing. And um, Justice and Taha are really, really getting more advanced in their design and their development. And Kwa moves to Brooklyn. Kwa. He what? He moves to Brooklyn. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I go to Brooklyn, check him out. And I'm like, I go to Everyday People. And I'm like, yo, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like a, a different type of vibe. This is where I want Bramble to be. And Justice has the same thought process. Like, yeah, I love New York. I love Brooklyn. I love, like, the aesthetic and how people dress and how they like they party. We need to do something here. And I'm like, why don't we do a pop-up that we do at these college campuses, but we do our very own pop-up. And we're just like, oh, let's do it. So we plan a date for the summer. We don't know anything about looking for event places and stuff like that. We're just calling different galleries. And galleries would tell us, oh, it's 800 700 even though those are good prices coming from new jersey Mm -hmm. we didn't think those are good prices until we find like a gallery in bushwick and it's like this white woman who started it it's like a solo gallery and she just kind of just has it there and she's like oh i'll give it to you guys for 200 for the whole day wow yeah and we're like that's a crazy okay and it was just a crazy deal we just pictured the company she's like i love it i love it you guys got the whole gallery do whatever you want so that was the first official brown mill pop-up. You know, we had the flyer, you know, started, like, passing it out to people. I know you came through. Mm-hmm. It was a good time, but it was like... We a got sp- a story about that. I don't know if you, if you want to talk about that. Do you remember what happened that oh, day? Yeah, yeah, uh, we, we We do I have a story. Tell, I don't know if we should tell it. I mean, <laughs> hey, we, we could tell it. Okay, go ahead and finish what you were I saying. I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was a vibe. <laughs> um, You know, that's when we started getting to more product development. Justice is really blossoming into like the Tellerius day. Um, you know, Taha and Chris, their designs are really just getting up there. So we were able to display like our new stuff and this get criticism from people that we uh, looked up to. Like, mm. you know, you, other people we grew up with, like, yeah, I like this. You could do this better. I like this. And it was since it was like in our own space, we felt like people were more open to do that. Like they felt like, okay, I'm here because I'm family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, took all that down and really helped us as a company um yeah a lot of lessons in that pop-up um you know we learned more about uh, security so uh <laughs> so mark actually bought a, a 101 piece the piece had brooklyn in the back is one of my favorite pieces and 
you know, during a pop up, you know, it was a party. Everybody's having fun. We have jollof. We have some like, you know, some drinks there. And uh, Mark is about to leave. He's dapping us up. And he's like, yo, I can't I can't find the bag that has my item. And, you know, we're there like, yo, nobody was still from a brown pop. We're family. This is a village. Nobody was still. And he's like, I can't find it. I can't find it. I'm like, maybe he misplaced there. Somebody took a bag, you know. And we're like, dang. All right. After we clean up, maybe we'll find the bag. So we clean up still nothing. So, you know, we're outside. We're waiting for our Uber. And we're packing up the U-Haul. Then the man comes. And he's like, yeah, you know. I have something to tell you guys. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me. He said, I have something to tell you guys. So one of my friends came to this pop-up and he did something really bad. And he, when he told me, I was so upset that I said, I'm going to come here and apologize on his behalf. And we're like, excuse me, sir. Like, what did he do bad? <laughs> Gives us like a black trash bag and it has Mark's custom piece in it. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, like I was just so angry with him. So I have to give that back to you. You know, at the moment, I was kind of upset. I was kind of mad. Like, how could somebody do this to us? But then I was looking at, like, the fact that he gave it back was special. Yeah. And, you know, Justice saw that as a sign that, you know, we're doing something great for the community because somebody came to still had a change of heart to, like, give us the item back. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, man, <clears throat> it's so funny because I... um. I had a family party that evening. That's mm-hmm. why I had to leave out early. And uh, Emily was at your mm-hmm. joint too. My cousin Emily. Shout out to Emily. And we, I was bringing her to the family party. Mm-hmm. So we left out. We were leaving out together. And as I'm searching around, I'm looking. I had I had a few things. I had a backpack on me because I, I think I was like promoting Splatter as well. Yeah, we had yeah, an event yeah. coming up. So I had like business cards and stuff like that in there. And the my backpack was good. Mm-hmm. My backpack was good and was there. But the brown bag that was next to it with the piece in it yeah. wasn't there anymore. So, like, I went around, I came back, grabbed my stuff, and I'm like, oh, I assume the brown bag was in the back by mm. the uh, Kelly Welly uh, yeah, yeah. joint. Shout out to Rachel. Yeah, all right. Shout out, shout out to uh, Rachel. Yeah, shout Rachel. out to Rachel. I love yeah. that ice cream. Um, so, I'm like, oh, it's, it's back by the Kelly Welly. Like, that's where I had the ice cream at. I'm going to go get it. And now I went back and I couldn't find it. Mm. I'm like, yo. I know I left it. My bag is here. You know, my drink is still yeah. here. Like everything yeah. I left back here is, is there. I couldn't fit, I couldn't find it. And so I remember I felt kind of silly at the end being like, yo, man, if you see a bag, if you see my yeah, thing, let yeah. me know. Cause it's like, bro, Word. We, we, we you doing sales. We got things to worry about. We don't like checking for your shirt. Like, so I remember being like, dang, it's over. And when me and Emily left out in the car ride, I was fuming like, I'm just trying to support. Yeah. Like, you know, that's my mans. That's little bro. Like, yo, I love what they're doing. And, you know, I felt good being able to, like, contribute to to the space in that way. And I was, like, just so upset. And Emily was like, yo, it's cool. Like, God don't like, God doesn't like ugly. Yeah. And, like, you'll be fine. Like, you know, it all works out. And she's, like, just dropping all this positive knowledge. And I'm like, that's Emily nah. for you. I'm like, yo, no, no. Like, I'm upset. Mm. You know, I bought this piece. And, um... She's like, yeah, that's fine. It's going to work out. So I gave myself like, you know, five, 10 minutes to be mad. And then I was like, all right, it's whatever. Turn on some music and we have a good conversation and we enjoy our ride down to Jersey. And um, and we, you know, we're having a good time. Yeah. So normally for me, I'm the type of person that when I'm upset, it, it takes me out of everything mm-hmm. I do. So I'm at this party for my cousin's birthday 
And I'm like kind of upset, but like I'm like, yo, I just got to get out of it. So I was able to enjoy the event, which is like very rare for me. Mm-hmm. Normally, I'm derailed. And the minute I let go and I just allow, like, all right, whatever, it's fine. And I'm just enjoying the night, having an amazing time. You text me and you're like, yo, bruh. <laughs> I see, I see your, your name pop up, so I'm kind of like, oh snap! I'm like, yo, what's good? And you're like, yo, bro, you won't believe what happened. Crazy. Yo, some dude just showed up to the end of the pop. We were about to leave, and he's like rambling, like, yo, like I'm so so sorry about this, and like my friend is not even here, but I came to bring him out. And he's like, yo, anyway, we have your piece. <laughs> he brought it back. We're gonna dry clean it, and I'm gonna give it to you next time. It was ripped see. up too. It was ripped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ripped. yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so I remember, yeah, I showed it to Emily. She was like, see, I told you. Yeah. Yo, just trust God. And I was like, man, that is, that was real crazy. So, um, yeah, to get it back was amazing. Yeah. And uh, that's, I love that piece. I'll still be rocking it. Um, it's an awesome event. Yeah. Yeah. It was dope. (laughs) That was a a moment for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So you did more pop-ups after that. You did more pop-ups. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, just one does anyone in particular stand out to you um, that maybe really, like, was there anything that really conveyed a message to you about where you stood in the community and your impact and such, where you were really looking, you were like, wow, this is this is different? Um, pop-up wise? Yeah. Or, I mean, even if, it, if it's not a pop-up, if there's another, if there's a significant moment for you that really sticks out. Um, so there's two things for mm-hmm. me. So we started these community basketball games. Um, just in our community, we realized that we had this park named Columbus and Piscataway. And just growing up, that was always the park where people played ball. All the best ballers would play basketball. But during like recent years, it wasn't as active. And Justice, who loved basketball, like was always active about basketball, always want, always had an idea to do basketball tournaments. Like we should do a tournament. We should do a tournament. So. Chris comes up with the idea, like, why don't we just do a flyer saying that Brown was playing basketball in Columbus this Sunday. So we put the flyer out, last minute flyer, and a lot of people come out. Mm. A lot of people come out. But one person in particular comes out, his name is Ryan. And Ryan has been a supporter of Brown Mills since middle school. Just his best friend. Like, they go way back. Yeah. Yeah, so we have a great game. You know, Ryan is out there joking, guessing his motorcycle. Gets into a motorcycle accident that day. He actually passes away. Whoa. Yeah. First wow. Brownwood basketball game. It's the first person to come to the game. That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, when that happened, we just stopped back and, like, all the moments that Ryan really showed support. We had used to have these uh, Brownwood events, like, back in the day, just in Joss's house, always there, always buy an item, always show support in high school. And we're just like, Wow. That's crazy. It just gave more of a meaning to the basketball games. Mm. Next week we have the basketball games. Everybody's out. We do it for Ryan. Like people are playing, no fights, no arguments. Just like calm, peaceful. Yeah. Everybody's just there, you know, playing ball, community, dapping each other up. How you been, bro? How's life? It was kind of like you know how like Kobe dying woke people up. Like I have this beef for you. Not anymore, bro. Life is too short. Yeah. Yeah, I love you, bro. I love you. That's how it was that day, the next basketball game. Everybody was just collective. Special moment for me was Ryan's little bro came to one of the games later on, made the game winning shot for one of the games. And That's just beautiful. How 
happy everybody was for him. Yeah. This game doesn't even count. It's a park game. There's no scoreboard. There's no referee. People pick him up. <laughs> yeah, like, we're just so happy. Yeah. My friend there, Chris, is taking pictures. Takes this real nice picture of him just, like, smiling with the whole community. And just going back to, like, you know, Howard, you know, it's a village. Me looking back, seeing people follow me with the clothes that don't know me. Me seeing people pick up Brian, like, the guy returning your your shirt. It's yeah. just, like, the whole theme is a village. It's a village. It's a village. We get painted so bad, like, you know, black people in general, like, black men, just, like, we do this, we do that. But at the end of the day, we really got each other's back. And that was a special moment for me, you yeah. know, just being able to do that for, you know, Ryan's little bro, give him that moment. Just giving those, like, the kids every Sunday a moment to just play ball, feel safe, you know. Just being that role model, too, just to, just to respect that we will get just being out there. Like, okay, I see your thing. Like, you graduate from Rutgers. I'm trying to go to Rutgers. Can you look at my essay? Mm. Oh, I heard you do finance. Can you teach me what finance is? Yo, how do you do in biology? I'm trying to study biology. How's Odysseus? Just being able to be there, like, yeah. you know. I never thought I would be a good mentor, but... People in the community look up to me. People will say things like, you know, I want to start my own version of Brown Manel. And that's just like enough for me, it's man. Rewarding. Like it's just it's a lot. Yeah. It makes me emotional when I think about it. Yeah. yeah. So those basketball games we do every Sunday, beautiful thing, man. The whole community comes out. Um another moment was we did like a, a private event to launch our The World Doesn't Need Any New New um T shirts. Mm. Um very spontaneous event, very random. We put the flyer out a day. This private invite to do test messages didn't invite like anybody in public. And that day, there was actually one of the biggest blackouts in New York. So all the trains were down. Oh wow! And we didn't know that. What was we, this? This is um this past summer. Um, I think August. No, okay. no, July, July. Okay. Yeah, there was a big blackout. So we didn't notice. We were setting up. Yeah. This is in Cross Crib. We had the rooftop. We're setting up, and. The support was crazy. There was like mad love. There's people coming from all over. And we were like, yo, this is a great event. And then people were telling us like, yeah, you know, I wasn't going to come out. We were stuck in the subway for two hours. And so many people had that same story. Mm. We were stuck in the subway for two hours. But we still made it out. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, y'all y'all, Yeah, care. I really came out. Yeah. Like, like so many people were like, yeah, we're in New Jersey. We took the train and we're stuck. And we didn't know. But we had to make it out. We had to make it out for you guys. And at that point, I was like, I don't even care to even buy any clothes. Like, just coming now, stuck in the subway for two hours, coming all the way to Brooklyn just to show love. Right. It's like, yo, we're doing something right. Yeah. Let's keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's very powerful, man. Man. So what what does the next, you know, two years, three, four years look like yeah. for you all? What's What's coming next? What's down the line? So every time I talk to, like, Justice and Ty, I always say, like, yo, this is, like, boys to men. Like, mm. boys to men. Like, we, yeah. that college, you know, pop up, party, have fun. That was, like, when we were boys. Now we're becoming men in the business. And people are seeing us grow up. So um, I think more partnerships, more business partnerships, more meaningful partnerships. Um, we're in a very special spot right now in time. People are waking up to, like, different things that are going on in America. We always been pushing this environment, sustainable effort thing. And people are waking up and seeing that in a couple of years, the world won't be the same. 
different environmental problems affect black people more. Mm. You see Flint water, just live water in Newark. People are waking up and realizing these problems. So we're seeing that we're in a good spot. Different fashion companies are realizing that not being sustainable won't be good for them in the long run. These different department stores and fast fashion stores, Forever 21, Macy's are closing. And, you know, people are realizing like, okay, how are they making their clothes? Who's making their clothes? So we're really trying to get into this area where we could bring more people together, collab, keep on spreading the message, the black culture, the African culture, you know, the culture of Hispanics, you know, really show that through our clothes, you know, really just up our game, make sure that we're, we're doing things right. We never want to be like a huge company, like a multi-million dollar company, but we do want to be a company that has that impact. You know, if we see something wrong in politics, we could stand behind and get things changed or we could get like really impactful people to do certain things. Like that's where I see Brownwell going. Yeah. Being more than clothes, being that lifestyle company. Absolutely. You know, family, community, community, education. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, right in line with, you know, although a pivot in a sense, mm-hmm. still very much grounded in what it sounds like the origins of it was, exactly. right? Like when you talk about the excellence factor of what it meant for you to really push you to achieve more academically and socially and uh, entrepreneurially at high school, mm-hmm. it pushed you to be the ve- best version of yourself. It's almost like now the evolution is pushing the world to be the best version of the world. Exactly. Self. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. I still made dope clothes, man. Yeah. Still made dope clothes. Um, so, we, you know, we have a, a store selling our things right now. Williamsburg Canvas is a sustainable fashion like marketplace. And we have something similar like that in Belgium. And they're selling our clothes and trying to get more partnerships like that. You yeah. know, trying to partner with like different black businesses and just just keep it moving, but still stay true to who we are. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, bro, it's an honor. Um, I, I love this episode, bro. I, I feel like we can chop it up yeah, all day. Um, honestly. Yeah. Um, so much insight and so much things that I didn't know about. And I'm excited for listeners to hear and such. So um, continued blessings and good luck, man, as you continue on this journey. I'm excited to to continue to see what you do. And I'll always be there to support both in person in person at, and as a consumer as well. So um, looking forward to see what y'all continue to do and build, man. And um, we'll definitely look to get you back at some point. Of course, man. All Appreciate right, man. you, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of 99 Celsius. Again, I'm your host, Marco Quay. For updates on the pod, Follow us on Instagram at 99Celsius, all spelled out. New episodes air each and every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the pod with others. Until next time.